so glad that you guys are here. I got to be really honest. I was really excited about that hot seat series until I heard the announcement. All of a sudden, I got really nervous because I know some of you too well. You're going you're gonna to make me work for this job, I think. Hey, uh, we are here, just as Heather said, we're here to love God, to love others, to help people find and follow Jesus. That's why we're doing what we're doing. That is what has changed our lives, and we believe that that's the timeless message of the gospel. And so we believe that it's relevant to all of us today, and that's why we want to do what we want to do. That's why we're here. That's why we have people who are serving in all parts of our church. It's because we want to not only love God, but help other people do that as well. Uh, I do want to encourage you to, just like Heather said, I want to encourage you to jump in on this prayer challenge with us. Just take a little bit of time each day for you to pray and connect with God, also to pray for our church. I believe God's going to do great things. One of my favorite quotes about prayer uh, from a pastor up north is this, when people pray regularly, irregular things happen in their lives on a regular basis. In other words, when we're going to God and trusting God with the things in our lives, we see him move on our behalf. And I've seen it over and over and over again in my life. And it's always good this time of year just to kind of reset everything and say, God, I'm seeking after you. So that's what I'm doing personally. I really want to encourage you guys to jump in and pray with me on a specific prayer request I have. And that is that God is going to open up the door for Rock Hills to have a home. We're praying for that, looking for opportunities and seeing what God might do. And so we're asking him to come and do what only he can do. I don't know what you guys are facing today what you might have come here with, what's going on in your life, what's going on in your family, in your personal lives, with your finances, with your relationships. But we've all got stuff that's going on. And here's what I do know. I know that God knows exactly what is going on in our lives and exactly the burden that we're having to bear and the stress that we're having to face. And I want you to know that Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're dealing with physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be, God can meet you right where you're at. And I believe that you're here today with a purpose. So as we continue in our series, Boundless, I hope that God's going to speak to us a little bit today. I don't know about you, but I've hit these, these seasons in my life. And really, I always want to know, but there's been seasons when it's just been like extra heavy where I want to know what God wants for my life. Right? I mean, think about it. If God is real, right? If He really exists and He really, as we say, has a plan for your life, well, then I'd like for you to fill me in on what that is. Right? I would like to know what it is. And we, that sounds really good on paper and in theory. Yes, God, I want to know what you want for my life. Am I supposed to move to the left or to the right? Do I continue going straight? In theory, that sounds really good. But then the reality is God may be leading us in that right direction, but then it comes down to us having to say, okay, God, I'll trust you and I'll move in that direction. And that's not so easy. It's one thing to know what God wants for our lives or to be led in the right direction. It's another thing entirely to trust God enough to say, okay, I'll move in that direction. My prayer is that God will continue to stretch us as he speaks to us. As we talked about a few weeks ago in John 3.30, John's prayer is, Father, I pray that I would become less and less so that you may become more and more. That's my prayer for us as a church. That's my prayer for you individually and for myself is that as, we, as God leads us and we hear his voice, that we're able to become less and less. And God is able to become more and more. 
We're going to see that today as we pick back up in the story of this loving couple who's got some issues. We've got Hosea. Last week we talked about this. Hosea, it's a weird name. That's the guy's name. And equally weird is his wife's name, Gomer. Hosea is a prophet in the Old Testament. A prophet was simply somebody in the Old Testament. In order for God to speak to people, he would speak to designated people in designated places, and those designated peoples would be the priests and the prophets. And so he would speak to the prophets. That's what Hosea is. So he's a man who would hear from God and then go speak to the people on behalf of God, saying, here's what God wants for your life. Now, for you and me, sometimes that seems really good, right? God just sends somebody into my life to say, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. But the truth is, God has given us the Holy Spirit now to where we can hear what God wants us to do and God can lead us. But He still uses people within our lives, don't get me wrong, who God will use to speak to us and lead us in the right direction. But that's what Hosea is. He's a prophet. He's speaking to the Israelites. The Israelites are God's people. Uh, It's been divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And Hosea is up in the northern kingdom. And these Israelites have essentially been blowing God off now for generations. Generation after generation, they kind of live in the same zip code as God. These are God's people in God's place, but yet they continually reject God because they feel like God has these rules and regulations. I mean, we can't relate to that, right? And so they feel like God has these do's and don'ts, and they just continually reject them and blow them off. The reason that's important is because if I'm honest, that's me. Right? God has a plan for my life, and there are moments and seasons in my life where I say, yes, God, I want to do that, and then something else comes up, and I can be so easily distracted, right? God, I really want to lose weight, and then all of a sudden I see a taco. You know, it's gone. Just like that. It's gone. We can be the same way spiritually. I know it's a silly example, but God, I want you so bad, and then taco shows up, you know, and we're just so easily distracted. These people did really whatever they wanted to do, whatever they felt like doing, and then they justify it to themselves. And they do that by essentially creating another God that fits in their box a little bit better. They called that God Baal. It was one that they created. Another weird name for you. But they did this so that they could justify living however they wanted to live and doing whatever they were wanted, to, wanted to do, but still feeling like they were connected to God in some sort of way. And God gets to the point where he says, I can't take this anymore. So I need to send my people a message. So along comes Hosea. And he says to Hosea, okay, Hosea, here's what I need you to do. I need you to be a living, breathing illustration of my love for the people of Israel. I love these people so much that it's beyond what anybody could ever even understand. And yet they continually reject me. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and marry a woman who is going to be unfaithful to you just like my people are unfaithful to me. I need you to go and marry a prostitute who has essentially sold herself to unfaithfulness. And so Hosea is going to do this. So as we look at this today, we're going to pick back up. Last week we just looked at the first two verses really where God says do this and they end up getting married and That leads us to today, and today is Dysfunction Junction in this family. I mean, the crazy train has come to town, and again, we can relate to that because we've all got a little bit of that in our family, right? 
if you don't know who the crazy person is in your family, guess what? <laughs> person next to you can tell you who it is, okay? I'll just warn you right now. But Hosea and Gomer, we're back at their story. This is back 750 B.C. You know, first comes this prophecy, then comes marriage, and then all of a sudden, here comes a scary baby in a baby carriage. And that's at the end of verse 3. It says that they have a child. Now, as we've already seen, there's a trend of really strange names, given it's a different culture and a different time. But the names are going to get even more weird today. Not just weird sounding, but weird in meaning. And uh, it's really not that different than today, right? I mean, people try to be trendy and, you know, they don't want to go with the old standard names that have been around forever. So people get really creative these days. I looked up some of the uh, names that have developed here in the last few years. Listen to some of these. These are actual baby names that are out there today. Audio, Blanket, Cricket, Future, Hashtag, Hippo, Inspector, Maple, Moroccan, Pepsi, Pilot, Saint, and Zoltan. So uh, y'all can use the back side of your card if you want to write some of those down to put it put in place for your next child or your grandchild. Those are some weird names that are out there, right? Well, we're going to look at some weird names that happened back in this day, and these names happen for a purpose. So uh, as we get to chapter 1, verse 4, uh, they've just had their first child, son number one, and here's where we pick up. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel. Well, that doesn't sound too weird, right? I mean, that, that's all right. But listen to why the child is named Je- Jezreel. For I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders that he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I am going to bring an end to Israel's independence. So name your first kid Jezreel. And here's what Jezreel means. I've had enough and I am about to lay the hammer down. <laughs> Sweet kid, right? You know, so here's this This baby, and this baby literally means the punishment of God is coming. You know, I I don't know how you have those sweet baby tender moments and call him Jezreel at the same time. But then not too much later, just two verses later, we see child number two coming. And this one happens to be a sweet little baby girl. Her name is Ruhamah. Let's read Uh, verse 6. So Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter Lo-Ruhumah, meaning not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. That's a bummer of a name, right? I mean, you, you thought cricket was a bad name to give a kid. I mean, Lo-Ruhumah, that's, that's pretty bad. It continues on the crazy train here. Uh, verse 8. Child number three, another son. After Gomer had weaned, not loved, Lo-Ruhumah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, not my people. For Israel is not my people and I am not their God. So we've got judgment is coming. We've got no longer loved, and no longer my people. Those are your three kids. That's a pretty weird setup, right? Now remember, this whole thing is an illustration. God said, I want you to go and marry Gomer because it is going to be an illustration of my relationship with my people who have rejected me. 
Now, we will get a little bit of indication here why in chapter 2 that these kids earned these names. They didn't actually earn them, but uh, you'll see how they got those names. In 2, 4, in the beginning of 5, it says this, And I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute, and she became pregnant in a shameful way. So here's what we have to realize. These are not even Hosea's kids. Hosea has been told to go and marry this woman, to purchase her, to pay her price, to make her his own, to give her his name, to bring her into his home. And at least two of the three, we don't know for sure, scholars debate on the first one, whether that was Hosea's or whether that came as prostitution. But here's what Gomer's doing. She comes home, she goes back out. She goes to her new lifestyle that she should have, and then she returns to her old lifestyle. And this keeps happening over and over and over again, and it has produced three children now. And so that is why these kids have these names. Now, these children represent the fruit of Gomer's choices. Because she has chosen to live life this way, she has produced consequences. She has produced emptiness. And she has produced rejection. This is baggage now that Hosea and Gomer have to live with. Now, even as I was typing that, I felt a little bit cautious in typing it because I don't believe that kids are baggage, even if they're the result of our bad choices. Right? And that's what we see here, though, is that God says, here's these three kids' names. Right? Coming judgment, not loved, not my people. In other words, it's the result of consequences, emptiness, and rejection. And for the rest of their lives now, Hosea and Gomer have these three children. So here's the first truth that I want us to get today as, as we go through uh, the second chapter of Hosea. It's this, when we choose to live outside of God's will, there will be consequences. Now, please hear me in this. That is not judgment. That is not me saying you are a bad person and because of that, bad things are going to happen to you. It's just a simple fact that when we step out of the life that we were created to live, that we bring things upon ourselves or sometimes even other people bring things onto us that we have to live with for the rest of our lives. Every single one of us can look back at our lives and say, okay, yeah, there's a time I stepped out of God's will and here's what I had to deal with because of it. Or here's what I have to live with the rest of my life because of it. It's a simple truth that when we step outside of God's will, there will be consequences in our lives. And I will say this even, sometimes those consequences are even good things, right? I could step outside of God's will and say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Even though God's called me to be a pastor, I feel like I want to go make a whole lot of money. And I could step outside of what God has called me to do and do something that I'm saying, hey, this brings in all kinds of things that look positive in my life but yet they could still end up destroying me, right, from the inside out. Jesus said it this way, you can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. So when I say there will be consequences for stepping outside of God's will, they may not always look like bad things. Sometimes they look like good things, 
But in the end, we end up missing out on God's very best for our lives. Have you made choices in your life that left you with baggage you have to carry around? That have left you with scars? You just say, this is who I am now. Because of, because of this, it's just the way it is, right? I mean, we can all find those scars within our lives, those regrets within our lives. Gomer's kids were consequence, emptiness, and rejection. We've all got those three kids in our life, right? Consequences, emptiness, and rejection that we have to deal with. And the truth is, Gomer brought these things on herself. She didn't have to bring these things on herself, but she chose to, and these were the consequences of her actions. But don't turn me off right there because I want to tell you there's very good news in the midst midst of consequences, rejection, and emptiness, and it's this. God can even turn your consequences around. God can turn your emptiness around. God can turn your rejection around. Listen to what he says. I'm going to rewind just a little bit to the end of chapter 1, beginning of chapter 2. It says this in verse 110. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at that time, where they, are told, where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are the children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together and they will choose one leader for themselves and they will return from exile together. together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel. When God will again plant his people in this land. It continues in verse 1 of chapter 2. In that day, you will call your brothers Ami, my people. And you will call your sisters Ruhamah, the ones I love. And what God is saying here to the nation of Israel and what God is saying to Hosea and Gomer and what God is saying to you and me is that even the consequences of your bad choices, God can turn those around to be restored. Even the the emptiness and rejection that we have felt, God can turn that around for his glory. We'll see more about that as we wrap up here in just a little bit. These people are going to find identity and family and acceptance as God turns their situation around. So today I want you to know this. If you have ever felt shame because of your past, you don't need to feel that. Not in this place. Not by God. Because God can turn all of that around. So if you've come in here today with baggage and past that seems to be holding you down, I want to encourage you to look to God who he gives us this hope, God can redeem and restore your past. Even what your past has produced, God can restore that. In chapter 2, God is speaking to the nation of Israel, but he's using Gomer as the illustration of Israel who lives this out. And Hosea represents God who feels every bit of the pain of this dysfunctional family. And so they continue... As we continue, we see, uh, as we read earlier, that Gomer has returned to prostitution and the life that she was living before. But before you go and judge her and think, how in the world could she do that? Let me just ask you this and ask myself this. Do you find it easy 
to slip back into old things that you have let go of? Do you find it easy to pick things back up that you have surrendered to God before? I think we all can do that. Even Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, says this in Romans 7, 14 and 15. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Even Paul himself said, I find myself doing things that I've left behind. I find myself picking those things back up again. That's Gomer. She's going to the life that she's always known, what was comfortable to her, what she knew, what she knew would benefit her. And even though she had this new life that was given to her, she finds herself slipping back into that old life again. And we can all find ourselves in that spot, right? Here's the second truth I want us to see today is that when we live outside of God's will, we will find a way to convince ourselves it is the right way, right? We step outside long enough and our mind just starts coming up with all of these great reasons to justify, well, this is okay. It's okay for me, right? It's okay for me to be outside of this a little bit. And that's exactly what Gomer does. As she has slipped back into this old lifestyle, she says this in the last half of verse 5. It says this, she said, I will run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen, and for olive oil and drinks. She was looking for pleasure and satisfaction and provision outside of God's will. And we do the same thing, right? We look for fulfillment outside of God's will because it can be so tempting to convince ourselves that's the best route to take. And so we look to that avenue, and sometimes we look to anything but God. So let me ask you this. If Hosea was your friend, right? You and Hosea went to elementary school back in the, in the day, and now you're, you're both living here in San Antonio, and you say, hey, let's get together for coffee. You've heard he's having a hard time. You get together for coffee, and he just unloads. Okay, I got married, and she left me. And she got pregnant. She came back. She left me again. And she got pregnant. And she just keeps going out over and over and over again. And I'm trying to raise these kids. And I'm trying to be a good husband. If Hosea was your friend, what would your advice be? I mean, honestly, right? I think we'd all go, Hosea, you've tried. You've been a really good guy. But I think it's time just to call this thing quits. Right? I mean, it's hurting you. It's hurting the kids. It's, this is a bad deal. You need, you need to check out a crazy hotel. Right? We would probably all give him that advice. And even for Hosea, it would have been totally legitimate and permissible in that culture for him to divorce her. Because of the lifestyle that she was choosing to live, he had every right not only to divorce her, but he could have turned her in and had her stoned to death had her executed for the life that she was choosing to live. But that's not what God called Hosea to do. As a matter of fact, Hosea chooses to make a very different choice within his life. He chooses to love her anyway. Now, he was frustrated, and I'm sure 
we, we see as, as he's comparing this to the nation of Israel, God's frustrated with Israel as well. It's, it goes on to say that God just wants to expose Israel, to let his frustration and anger out. But just like Hosea doesn't choose to do this, it's because God chose not to do that to you and to me. God chose not to do that to his people. Can you imagine the pain and the frustration of having to deal with that? I've got a video for you to watch today. My friends tell me I'm torturing myself. It never gets easier. I thought I'd be used to it by now. That my heart would be calloused, hardened, immune to this torture. But it's not. It still hurts. time you left, I thought it was a one-time thing. Go after you, get you back, all is forgiven, all is forgotten. But each time it gets worse. It feels like death. My friends tell me I'm torturing myself. That it's not worth it, that you're not worth it, that I'm chasing a dream of what once was. sanity. It defies logic. Love keeps no record of wrongs. No record of wrongs. I will love you without a record. I will forgive. I will pursue. I will bring you home.
Hosea refuses to give Gomer what she deserves. God refuses to give his people what they deserve. Because he still chooses us. In spite of our failures and what we deserve, God says, I still choose you. And the truth is, everything that Gomer listed that she was, she said, I'm going to return to my lovers and I'm, I'm going to get my wool for clothes and my olive oil for them. I'm going to get paid, right? I'm going to get paid I'm going to go to this lifestyle and get what I want and what I feel like I need. And we're thinking, just go to H-E-B and get your olive oil, girl. You don't have to do that, right? She doesn't realize what she is wanting she already had. Hosea was giving her all that she was looking for. And the people of Israel don't even realize all that they're trying to find out there serving Baal, looking to the world they already have. The same is true for you and me. What we look outside of God's will for, when it really comes down to it, is already found purpose and pleasure and a plan for our lives is already found within the will of God. So we find this hope that God will not quit pursuing us. Even when we run away, even when we are stubborn and we resist him. Listen to this in verse 6 and 7. For this reason I will fence her in with thorn bushes and block her path with a wall to make her lose her way. When she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them but won't find them. Then she will think, I might as well return to my husband for I was better off with him than I am now. So if your mind is already gone, well, he's got stalker here, right? Look at it in this perspective. Have you ever had that moment when, man, you're just feeling like throwing the cards in, right? And then all of a sudden, man, why am I getting invited to the men's group at Rock Hills, right? You know, it's just those coincidences that happen in those moments when God intercedes in our lives and God is committed to reaching out and striving to protect you and that small voice that continually calls to you. It's that conviction that happens out of the blue in moments just inside of our hearts or when you're headed down the wrong path and then all of a sudden you run into somebody from church and you're like, oh, hi, how are you doing today? You know, And God just puts those moments in our lives. Now, God will not stop you. He will let you go. But He will do everything within His power to call you back to himself and put you on the right path. That's the grace of God working to protect you in your life. He will not stop you, but he won't let you go either. It says in 2.8, She doesn't realize that it was I who gave her everything that she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to Baal. So don't miss this. Gomer has now taken other lovers to have her needs met. But all along, it's Hosea who's still paying the tab. Right? She's gone to these other guys that she thinks is going to meet her needs. But it's Hosea who's showing up and bringing all the provision. Even while she's still in the midst of sin, the blessing and grace of God is working within her life. Even while she turns around and gives it back to the wrong place. It's still God's presence and grace in her life. Here's the truth that we find here. When we live outside of God's will, 
we misplace what he has given us to use for his glory. You see, God has given you talents. God has given you resources. God has given you purpose and relationships. God has put all these things within your life. But when we step outside of God's will, we turn around and we give those things to Baal, whatever Baal may be in our lives. We put our talent, our finances, our relationships, our opportunities, and we can misplace them. Just like the gifts that God had given Gomer were turned around and misplaced. Then when we hit verses 9 through 14, God goes even more stalker. And I'm not going to read all that today, but, but he's saying, I am not going to let you go. I am determined to get you back. And even though Gomer is out there living this lifestyle, what he's saying to the people of Israel is, this is not an open relationship, right? We're not married and you're still dating other people. God's saying, I want you and I want all of you. And I don't want to have to share you with anything outside of my purpose for your life. Now, I want you to watch how chapter 2 concludes here. It takes us back to the beginning of what God said He was going to do. In verse 20, it says this, I will be faithful to you and make you mine. And I and and you will finally know me as the Lord. In that day, I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the sky as it pleads for clouds. And the sky will answer the earth with rain. And the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain, the grapevines, and the olive trees. And they, in turn, will answer Jezreel, God plants. Remember, the coming judgment has now turned into purpose. Verse 23, and at that time I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself, and I will show love to those that I called not loved. And to those that I called not my people, I will say, now you are my people, and they will reply, you are our God. So here's the hope that we find in this, is that he is the God who can transform all of our brokenness. Every place in our lives where we have taken a misstep, we've made a bad choice, we have consequences that we have to deal with. Not only can God turn our heart and our mind around and our situations around, God can turn our brokenness and our consequences around. If you've ever felt like you are a failure, you have failure, you feel shame and it keeps you from God. God is wanting you to know He can turn all of that around. He's the God of transformation. He can transform transform your mess into a message. I think one of the best examples that I've seen of this in my life, and you guys are familiar with it, are the Haslers. You've heard Al's testimony if you've been around Rock Hills for any time at all. If not, keep coming. You'll get to hear it. But Al was a guy who was purposefully living outside of God's will. And it messed up his life. It messed up his marriage. In many ways, I'm not going to tell his story for him. But those of you who know him, look at this life now. Not only has God turned his life around, God has turned the situations of his life around. What once was a marriage doomed for failure now has become a marriage that everybody in this room who knows them says, I want a marriage like that someday. What once was failure as a father and potentially even a grandfather one day, 
God turned it around to where all of us could go. That right there. That's goals right there. That's what I'm shooting for, right? God can take the most disastrous failure in your life and turn it around. So I want to just close by asking you today, what is it that you need to lay down at the feet of God? What baggage is it that you need to say, God, I need you to turn this around in my life. I need to stop running back to my other lovers because what I need doesn't come from them. It only comes from you. What about you today? Because the truth is we're all Gomer. What is the baggage that we need God to redeem? The thoughts, choices, and behaviors that we tend to justify in our minds. How can God turn it around? Would you guys pray with me? And as we pray, our prayer team team will make their way up here. And we'd be happy to pray with you individually after the service if you would like prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us grace that we don't deserve. Father, that you give us patience beyond what we could ever imagine. Father, we thank you that you put hedges around us and point us in the right direction over and over again. And Father, we ask that you would forgive us for the times that we've ignored your spirit as you call us unto you or as you try to protect us from stepping outside of your will. Father, we thank you that you even bother to have a will for us. But Lord, the truth is that you do. Your word tells us that you know us by name. You know the numbers of hair on our heads, as the word says. Because Father, you can't get enough of us and you want us to be yours. And so, Father, we just want to take a moment to surrender all that we are to you. We have the opportunity to do that because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross for us. Would you just take one minute in your own words, surrender yourself to him, give your baggage over to him, even as ugly as it may be. God, thank you for pursuing us for not giving up on us. In Jesus' name, amen.